Welcome to Magical Storybook, where today we're giving you the chance to hear the work of an author who we think you'll love. This sponsored episode is the first chapter of a book called The Rewilders by Lindsay Littleson and published by Cranachan Publishing. After Esme's gran accidentally steals a lynx kitten, Esme and school bad boy Callum take on a dangerous mission to return it to the wild in the Scottish Highlands. If you'd like to find out what happens afterwards, you can buy a copy of the book by clicking on the link in the details. But for now, enjoy The Rewilders. As the car bumped into another pothole, Esme breathed on the window and wrote, I'm dead, with her finger. In the front seat, Mum gripped the steering wheel, oblivious, too busy cursing. Can that Egypt not stop at one of those passing places and let us through? Is 10 miles an hour really a tractor's top speed? I don't know and I don't care. You might be in a hurry, but I'm not. Esme watched as the condensation dribbled down the glass, obscuring the words. You do realise you're ruining my life? Her mum mimed, banging her head against the steering wheel. Give over, Esme. Don't be such a drama queen. I'm being serious. Isabel will never speak to me again. Of course she will. Isabel's a sweetheart and you two have been best friends since nursery. Mum's tone was scratchy, as if Esme was the one being annoying. Continuing the argument was a waste of effort, but desperation had set in. It's over. She won't want to be friends anymore. She'll... Esme couldn't finish the sentence, couldn't say it out loud. Mum had no idea of the consequences she could be unleashing. Being Isabel's friend was vital. Falling out with her was unthinkable. Esme huffed on the glass again and drew a sad face, while the car bounced along the lane towards Gran's whitewashed cottage. They'd arrived. It was too late to stop this earth-shattering disaster. Mum glanced in the car mirror. Cheer up, Esme, please! The rage and frustration which had been building in Esme's chest, hot as lava, erupted. Cheer up! You've got to be joking! I phoned Isabel's mum, remember? Mum unclipped her seatbelt and opened the door. I apologised profusely on your behalf and explained that you couldn't go to Isabel's party because you were spending the September weekend at your grandmother's. She sighed. Esme, I know how disappointed you are, but it's just one of those things. Boiling with frustration, Esme dug her nails into her palms. It hurt quite a lot. Isabel's party was not just one of those things. There was going to be a DJ, a massive cake and a chocolate fountain. Nothing as exciting had ever happened in their little highland village and there was every likelihood that nothing this exciting would ever happen again. But the truth was, she could have dealt with the disappointment if it had been anybody's party but Isabel's. Her mum was standing in the drive, but Esme didn't move. She unrolled the car window, making one last attempt to convince her mum that this was a terrible plan. Please mum, this really isn't fair. You don't understand. If I don't go, Isabel... Her voice cracked and more tears spilled. Her mother lost patience. Oh, give over, Esme. Grow up for heaven's sake. Get out of the car. Defeated, Esme undid her seatbelt and reached for her rucksack, buckling it up, moving at the speed of a slug. 
Isabel's mum might have told Esme that missing the party wasn't a problem, but it was a massive problem for Isabel. Last night, she'd called Esme straight after their mothers had spoken on the phone. Your mum said you can't come, but I take it you're planning to catch a bus or get a taxi or grow wings and fly or something. Dread had slithered like a snake in Esme's stomach as she tried to explain why none of those options would work. Gran lives in the middle of nowhere and there's no bus service. I already suggested a taxi to my mum, but she said no way am I travelling in a taxi on my own at night at my age. Like it'll suddenly be safe when I'm older. Believe me, if I could sprout wings, I would. Your mum's in London. What she doesn't know won't hurt her. There had been an edge of impatience in Isabel's tone. It'll be easy. If you don't have enough cash, borrow money from your granny's purse. She's ancient. She won't even notice. Phone a taxi and sneak out. You can do this, kiddo. If they'd been face to face, she'd have had to laugh pretend that the idea of stealing from her grandmother didn't fill her with horror. Even on the phone, she'd given a silly fake giggle. <laughs> Gran notices everything. And anyway, the mobile phone reception is rubbish. Before Isabel could come up with any more plans, she'd rushed on. Isabel, I'm sorry, I can't come to your party and that's the end of it. Believe me, I'm gutted. For a long, painful moment, Isabel hadn't replied and Esme had imagined her china blue eyes widening in shock and disbelief. You've got to be kidding. You're seriously not coming. You're my best friend. You have to come. I can't, I'm sorry. Her thumb had hovered over the end call button, and with hindsight, it would have been better to stop the conversation right there. I can't believe you'd let me down like this. I really thought you were my friend. Isabel's voice had sharpened and Esme's stomach had tightened, dreading her next words, knowing that they'd be designed to hurt. By the way, your new haircut. I only said that I liked it to be nice because Ava was sniggering behind your back. But to be totally truthful, it's terrible. It makes your ears stick out. Ava and me think you look like one of those garden gnomes. You know, the ones with the wee fishing rods, the ugly things that only old people like. Isabel had ended the call, and Esme had turned to stare at her reflection in her bedroom mirror, and she'd cringed at the sight of her ugly, snub-nosed, big-eared, gnome-like self. And then she'd burst into tears, knowing her life was over. Mum leant in the car window and tugged at her bag. Esme, hurry up, will you? I've got a plane to catch. Powered by hurt, Esme flung open the car door. She stomped up the path, her rucksack swinging in her hand like a slingshot about to be loosed. Not that she'd ever fling her rucksack, her iPad was in there. Not that it was going to be of any use to her as Gran's cottage had no Wi-Fi. As well as other less important stuff, like spare clothes, a toothbrush and a comb. At the exact moment they reached the steps, her grandmother opened the door. Not in her normal way, she didn't fling it wide and call her usual greeting, Come in, come in, my two favourite lassies. Instead, the door opened just a crack. Esme only knew that Gran was there because she could see her plump fingers clutching at the door, holding it fast. You can't come in. Esme frowned, puzzled. Gran's voice was breathless, as if she'd been running. 
Fee, I'll see you on Tuesday. Don't work too hard. Esme, leave your stuff at the door and nip round the back to check on that daft dog. The door slammed shut. Mum and Esme glanced at each other before Esme remembered that she was angry with her mother and looked away. That's odd, said Mum. I hope she's not getting a bit, you know, senile. Esme whipped round and gave her mother a hard stare. Don't say that! Mum's cheeks flushed. Sorry, your gran has all her marbles and more. I bet Shug has sicked up on the carpet again. If she'd let us in, we could give her a hand. Esme pulled a face. No way am I cleaning up dog sick. Mum leaned against the rickety porch, ready for a long wait. Beside her, Esme swung her rucksack to and fro, like a pendulum on an old-fashioned clock. There seemed no point in dragging the goodbyes out any longer when Mum's mind was already made up. You'd better go, Mum. You've got a plane to catch. Gatwick, here you come. Her mother sighed. Yippee, lucky me. Try to make the best of it, Esme. I know it's not how you choose to spend the long weekend, but we're lucky that she offered, otherwise I don't know what we'd have done. Pretended to be sick, asked Dad to come back from the rigs for a few days, left me at home alone. Esme had already suggested these and more. After all, she was 12, in her first year at high school, and plenty old enough to take care of herself. But Mum had shot all her ideas down in flames. Her mother reached out, attempting a hug, but Esme stiffened and ducked out of the way. I'll see you on Tuesday at 2pm on the dot. Bye. It was only as Esme reached the end of the narrow gap between the cottage and the lean-to that guilt began to niggle at her stomach. I should have hugged Mum, said a proper goodbye. What if there's a zombie invasion? What if her plane crashes into a mountain? Panicking, Esme started running back up the path, but it was too late. Mum's car was turning onto the main road, and as Esme watched, it disappeared from view. Esme stood, her heart thudding, then pulled out her phone and typed a message. Love you. See you Tuesday. Kiss, kiss, kiss. It didn't send. No, no, no! She pressed again and again, but nothing happened. Esme hurried to the junction and had to leap out of the path of a logging lorry thundering past. Standing on the grassy verge, she pressed the button, and as the text sent, her heart rate returned to normal. Nothing will happen to Mum now. She'll be fine. I'll not be orphaned and doomed to a life of sadness and guilt. For a moment, that thought was all that mattered. But then others crept back, gloomy as fog. It was only Friday morning and she still had four days at her grandmother's house to get through. And unless she sneaked out the cottage and walked five miles to the village and back, Isabel's party was going to happen on Monday night without her. And when the holiday weekend was over, everything would be different at school. She'd be on the outside and she'd never get back in. Esme trudged towards the back of the cottage, where a gate barred her way. The gate was meant to prevent Shug the dog from getting out and trying to befriend the sheep. But Shug wasn't throwing himself against it, overcome with happiness to see her. He wasn't there. As Esme unlatched the gate, an uneasy feeling slid down her spine. No slobbering licks, no wet, muddy paws. It was weird. 
Where was he? Shug may well have been the deftest dog in the history of dogs, but he was definitely the friendliest. And spending time with Shug was the one thing that Esme had been looking forward to. When that thought crossed her mind, guilt stabbed her again, sharp as a pencil. Sorry, Gran. She loved her grandmother, and short visits with Mum were fine, but Gran was an old lady, 68 on her last birthday, and she didn't even drive. The long weekend was going to be endless. The gate creaked as she closed it behind her, but then, silence. Silence was worrying. Shug didn't do silence. Maybe he's chewing on poisoned berries. What if he's chased the sheep and been shot? Shug was convinced that sheep could be charmed into being his best friends if he kept barking and running around them in demented circles for long enough. When Esme looked around, she saw a long rectangle of mossy grass and a scattering of dead leaves. So far, so normal. But where's Shug? And what's going on in the house? The first mystery was solved right away when a bundle of moth-eaten fur cannonballed towards her, sending her flying. Shug, where were you hiding, you big Egypt? Big Egypt wasn't an unfair description. Shug was a large dog, about the size of a collie, but mixed with a hairier breed. Gran described him as hand-knitted, and she didn't mean it as a compliment. His coat was greyish-white with ink-black splodges, and his ears were ragged triangles, folded in at the ends, and his hairy muzzle was permanently mud-splattered. It often appeared that Shug had mud for brains, too. But his heart brimmed with love for all humans, and Esme in particular. As Esme got to her feet, Shug bounced around her, his big furry paws smacking against her jacket and jeans, smearing both with dirt. But to calm down quicker than usual, and raced towards the dry stone wall at the back of the garden. Then he bounded back towards Esme, nudged the back of her legs with his head, and ran across the grass again. It's as if he wants me to follow him, she figured, and so she did, letting Shug lead the way across Gran's soggy grass and over to the hut. The door was lying open, and Shug raced inside. Esme heard claws scrabbling on the boards and garden tools clattering to the floor. Stop it, Shug, you'll wreck the shed. What have you found? Is it a mouse or... She grabbed the dog by his collar and stood in the doorway, blinking in disbelief. The chapter you've just heard is from a book called The Rewilders by Lindsay Littleson and published by Cranachan Publishing. If you'd like to find out what happens next, you can buy the book by clicking the link in the details.